Welcome to Small Business Sisters, where two sisters who started their own separate businesses come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week, they will share practical business tips they have learned along their journey and share their individual perspectives. So grab a drink and join the sisterhood as they discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining today. On today's episode, we have Megan, who is the owner of Eli and Asher Co. And we get to chat with her all things making. She went through some pretty major grief moments in her life where creativity just kind of reeled her out of that. And we also talk about her postpartum depression and her mental health journey. And it's such a great hour of us chatting how all of that kind of intermingles together. And I just think you guys are going to love where she comes from, the advice she gives, and just the safe space she provides. You can find her over on Instagram at Eli and Asher Co. And in the episode, we'll talk about what she sells and you can go follow her and give her some love. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Small Business Sisters. Today we have on someone so special to me. It's so crazy. Megan Steyerwalt, which is weird for me to say because I know her as her maiden name because Megan and I were really good friends in college and have stayed friends since then. We live states apart, um, but it's been so fun to watch her journey with um starting small businesses, which we'll talk about, but also watching her be a mom. It's just so weird. It's been, what, 15 years, 18 years? How old are we? I don't know. I don't want to think about 18 it. Years. <laughs> um, so it's super, super exciting for me to have you on today, Megan. So just say hi to everybody. Yes. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I've been just so proud of you guys for your podcast and all of your ventures. So it's really cool to be able to just chime in and say hi. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so let's get started by you telling people, like, I know from personal, like watching you personally, that you've always had a creative um, bug and um, a a creative bug to you, something that I had no idea I even had when we were friends. Um, So kind of tell us like, what you've done creatively, like from whenever you started creating to now. Okay, Um, let's see. I, I always heard growing up like, oh, you're so creative, just in different things, like maybe school projects and stuff. And I just kind of thought that that's how everybody was. And so it never really like stood out as anything different. Um, but I think in like middle school or maybe late elementary, I learned how to sew. And then it just kind of became some little side projects here and there that I would do. And I never really like dived into anything And then in college, I remember coming home on breaks and I would sew, hand sew a quilt just for fun, like while I watched TV. And it was just kind of one of those things where I would see something and be like, oh, I think I can do that. And people would be like, oh, I don't think you can. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to do it. (laughs) So that was kind of one of those things where like that turned into something else and just like little planning parties, all that kind of stuff. Um, I do remember when we were in college, um, it was really popular to do like a t-shirt on top sewn to like a dress on the bottom with cowboy boots. Yeah. And I remember those being really expensive. And I remember you making those. Like you're like, I'm just going to make it. Yeah. Oh, I totally thought like, oh, I can just do it. And 
it always turned out at least decent. <laughs> um, but after college, I kind of dived into a little bit of sewing, like little kids clothes and some bows and things like that. And then my journey really deepened, I would say, I actually lost my dad unexpectedly. Christina knows that. Um, I was like 22 years old and I was in this phase of I had graduated college. I was still living in a college town because I was working full time and I didn't have a lot of friends or a lot to do. And I just kind of needed to pour my time into something that was productive and something that like lifted my spirit, something to look forward to. So I just kind of dived into all these projects. I remember it was like painting and then I got a silhouette machine and I was kind of all over the place, but it was just something that was so consistent for me to sit down and do in the evening time. And it filled my time and it was something that I was like proud of. And I felt like my creativity was just blooming um, with it. So that was kind of like a catalyst for instead of just like being sad and not having anything to do or anybody to like spend my time with. That was kind of how I spent my time in that really hard season. Um, and then quickly I made a blog and I started trying to sell my stuff. And that was like 2013, I would say. Um, I don't know how to segue. I guess like some time passed. I met my husband who is a professional photographer. And then that developed into photography. And so that was my new creative outlet for years. And then after we got married um, and had kids, I got back into just loving to sew and make things and got back into like having an Etsy shop again. Um, so does that answer? <laughs> yes, it does. And I feel like she's like um, not uh, giving them enough credit photography wise because like they're phenomenal photographers, like nationally known photographers. Thank you. He is. I mean, when I met Dylan, he is the most creative person that I've ever met. And so that's something really unique about our relationship of why I feel like I got back into just more actively pursuing things. Like when I met him, I was actually taking, this is embarrassing, but cool, a photography workshop so that I could take better pictures of my crafts to sell. And I had no idea, like everybody else at that workshop was professional photographers. And they said like, <laughs> Hey, raise your hand if you want to be a professional photographer someday. And I was the only person in the room who didn't raise my hand. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just like little crazy craft lady over here. <laughs> I just want really good pictures. From my I husband. just want to do it all. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't that where you met him? Yes. Yeah. So, I met him you know at... So it like connected everything. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, yeah, you've, um, I just remember, I envy you that you knew you could sew so long because it was one of those things that I was like, darn it. If I had only been able to do that in college or mm -hmm. before I had kids that I could make them all of this fun stuff. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I love about your story too, that you from a young age created because that's what I tried to yeah. I wonder if we're just I don't know this sounds really gloom and doom but I feel like we're not really encouraged to be creative like like the goal is always you know what's your career or your profession instead of like tapping into that creativity so I love that you found that 
as a kid and saw it like sewn throughout. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's really Thank you. Well, I think that's what's so cool about the the classes that Christina is doing for kids is that I feel like sewing is almost a lost art of there's not that many people that really hand sew or machine sew anymore. And so it's cool to give people that opportunity to learn how from the ground level, because that's the only way you can learn. Yeah. Last night I was, te- I was uh, teaching an adult sewing workshop and I was like, not to be like, cause they were, I don't even remember really how we got in the subject to be honest, but I was like, not to be like a sob story or anything, but I wish I had known uh, my love for sewing or like hands on creativity sooner because I failed out of school. I wasn't good at school. And so for a long time, you just get stuck in this place of like, what am I good for? Like, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be good at school. What is this? And so I do love that, like where, you know, a lot of, I I don't think, and my kids go to public school. I'm not against public school, but um, I feel like the creativity, creativity piece isn't always there and Mm -hmm. especially with art and music if they like start pulling those things or anything like that that scares me because I'm like there are kids that thrive in that environment versus um a learning environment yeah so like it's so uh broad I feel like so you have music like what Mm -hmm. band or orchestra or choir and then art it's mostly like fine art I feel like at least in our schools I wish creativity was like a more you could find like sewing or candle making or you know all these there's so many ways to be creative versus just two so um all of the education boards if you're listening (laughs) we all three of us are willing to come teach some elementary (laughs) um side gigs twice a year (laughs) 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 Megan and I would too with our machines okay so let's talk about first of all the name of your shop is Eli and Asher company yes which are the names of your two boys yes so was that just easy to come up with you just wanted to use their names or did you think of anything else I did. No, I, I had like a company way back when, and I've gone through like multiple different names. Um, and then after when I actually came up with the company right before Asher was born. And so it was just the perfect timing. I'm very intentional with names and I love their names. Obviously I chose them for a reason. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just knew that was it. So And now, so tell people the ages of your kids. Yes. So Elijah, Eli is three and Asher is 18 months. Yes. So let's, we, I'm not sure we've had a mom of that little of littles on yet. So Mm -hmm. we would love, I know I started Beautiful Chaos when mine were little, but I forget a lot of pieces from it. Mm -hmm. So like, what does your normal work day look like for you when you're working on Eli Asher Co.? Oh my goodness. That's a good question. Um, like honestly, I started my company, I started making stuff for it during my pregnancy. Um, so at that time I had an 18 month, you know, a toddler, um, and I was fully pregnant. Um, and at that time it was mostly like nap time type work. And then after Eli went to bed and now I would say it's a similar structure. They both take 
a nap in the afternoon and that's a great time for me. Um, but I also have a couple of dedicated work days for my regular job. Um, I work for a nonprofit that is anti-trafficking. And on those days, I have childcare for a regular like day. And if my day allows, I can fit in a little project here or there. So I'm able to kind of spread things out throughout the week and nap times and evenings and just whatever really works for me if they're awake and I can do something cool, but that's not very often. <laughs> well, Jenny and I were just talking about this. I remember a lot of times when the boys were little and I would work during nap time or at bedtime, I felt like Tyler and I kind of, uh, or I let Tyler fall through the cracks a bit because I would have, if I was working at night, that was usually our time together. And mm-hmm. so I was saying how, um, I wish that I had looked at that time and, and been more, I don't know the word, maybe protective of it. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like there's a good balance there and not a good balance of like, it's going to be perfectly balanced, but of figuring out the nights. I remember we'd say like, okay, Wednesday night, neither of us are going to do any sort of work because he works from mm-hmm. home too. So it's really yeah. easy to just head on back to work. Um, and so are you guys kind of in that, like, are you able to establish nights where, okay, I'm not going to work this night? Yeah, I would say I only really work nighttime seasonally. So like Christmas time is a really busy time. Mm -hmm. And then when I was launching, other than that, I feel like I'm like a all or nothing person. So I can power in a lot of things in a short amount of time. And I'm able to knock it out during the day. Um, so that's been good. But yeah, I totally see what you mean of like, you want to be able to balance your time with your kids and with your husband and not let business take over. And I think sometimes I just have to pull back a little bit and Mm -hmm. be like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. I don't need to make five new things to try to sell. I can (laughs) just kind of give myself a break. And there doesn't always have to be something new. Sometimes I can just do projects for me that nobody sees. And that gives me that fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't have to like constantly worry about what if this blows up? Not that like... Mm -hmm things have blown up, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Jenny and I talk about that a lot. Yeah. I think that's such a great example of how you can just start somewhere with your business. Like your business can scale with you and with your kids and, you know, each season brings something different. I think sometimes we can get caught up in the idea of like our business needs to look like your business or like yes yes and instead like you can really make your business work for you and Mm -hmm. what that season of life looks like like I'm listening to you and I just admire you so much Megan because my I can't imagine like a three-year-old and 18-month-old right now and running a business and so that's like that you're able to batch that and make that work for your family and have this creative outlet and have a business that's profitable but then also know when to put it down Mm -hmm. for your family like that's a that's a huge thing because yeah that a lot of us don't know yet (laughs) I mean and again it's just it's such a testament to women in general that you know life is always changing and evolving and like I so my you might just look at my business and it looks like one thing but I have a 14 year old 16 year old and 11 year old like yeah but then what 
how that would look different with a three-year-old and 18-month-old. So I, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's just so much grace for all of us as women running our businesses because yes. each, each business is different, each family, each um, mm-hmm. actual product we're making. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's so special to like – share that journey with each other and I'm learning from you (laughs) (laughs) and I don't want to just skate by your nonprofit. so tell people what your nonprofit is called what like what your mission statement is and then where they can find you yeah absolutely so the lantern project is anti-trafficking and sexual exploitation um we are really working on not just trying to fight trafficking, but also bring more awareness um, to the online dangers that are facing this generation um, and how predators are able to access children so much more readily through the internet, all these advances in technology. Um, So we are actually about to launch our beta for um, businesses, nonprofits, churches, and families and individuals where they can receive training on the topics of human trafficking and sexual sexual exploitation um, and how to best protect those entities. So whether it's your family, your business, and your employees, or your church or ministry, um, there's training that will be available for everyone. And you can find us um, at thelantern.net is our website or on social media. Um, We're just about to launch, like I said. So it's been an exciting time. Have you ever heard of the Sanctuary Project? I haven't. So she used to be based in Austin, but now she lives in Nashville. Her story is so cool. It's Holly Christine Hayes. She was actually trafficked. Um, And so, and um, she, you have to listen to her story. It's out there everywhere. I think she has a podcast too. Um, But anyway, she started a jewelry company. Um, It's called the Sanctuary Project. And she hires other, like other trafficked girls Mm -hmm. um, when they, uh are obviously like I don't know the correct term rescued. like rescued. Yeah. Um she hires them to make all the jewelry and then like a portion of and it's really pretty jewelry. Y'all would love it. That's you awesome. should go check it out. I will. Um but that's really cool that y'all are um partnering alongside people to help fight the fight of human yes. trafficking, which Thank is a you. ginormous problem right. in our society. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I just, I was like, you mentioned that and I want people to be aware and to know that you're welcome. So how would you describe like, uh, cause I could probably do it, but you're going to do a way better job. How would you describe your pieces that you sell? I, let's see, I would say I have a lot of apparel. Um, I kind of, say that I do vinyl and textiles primarily because everything I do revolves around like a silhouette type project, which is based with vinyl, um, or textiles would be sewing all different, um, materials. Uh, so I do home decor with like signs, banners, and then apparel, shirts, t-shirts, embroidered stuff, caps, Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to be all over the place cause I get inspired and excited. Um, and I don't really want to put myself into a box, uh, of just doing one thing or whatever. So you see a little bit of everything from me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say your style is like really simple mm-hmm. and like minimalistic, yeah. which I, I love like 
I love that because when my boy, specifically when they were little, but even now, I love like simple pieces for them and not like the a lot. I don't yes. know how to describe it. Yes. But the, like, really, <laughs> I like that it's like, like she does their names in cursive with a period. Like I would have loved things like that. Yeah. I, just, I, I love- like the simple, minimal, like neutral colors have been amazing lately. So yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So another reason why we definitely wanted to bring Megan on is because she is so transparent and vulnerable and always has been even uh, when we were friends in college, but she's been very open about her postpartum journey. And obviously you've had two postpartum journeys Mm -hmm. now. Um, But we wanted to bring her on because you guys know we're really big about um, mental health and just bringing awareness to situations. And so we wanted to bring Megan on to share a little bit of her journey. So Megan, will you just let us know like what that's been like for you and how creativity has kind of played a part into it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say I, prior to becoming a mom, I thought that I was like, 100% ready for motherhood. I was just going to rock it from the beginning. There was no reason why I wouldn't just kind of like, it sounds silly, but on paper, everything kind of was in order. I was like 30. I was happily married, came from a great family, was raised in a happy home, had a stable job. My husband and I worked for a church. It was like, yes, everything lines up. Um, And my world was just completely turned upside down when Eli was born. Um, It was so unexpected. I think kind of traumatic labor played into it. I labored for like 20 hours and then had an emergency C-section. Was not the type of person that was anti-C-section at all. I had thought, thought it through ahead of time. Like if it happens, it happens. So I wasn't like stuck on that or upset about it. But I think I wasn't prepared for the recovery of what it would really be like recovering from such a major surgery and learning how to raise a baby. Um, And it was like all of these factors came together for the perfect storm. And by two weeks postpartum, I was a wreck. I mean, bad, bad, bad into the deep, deepest part of depression that I've ever seen. And to the point that it was so scary, my doctors wanted me to be hospitalized. Um, I don't know where I was going <laughs> or where to like really take that, I guess. Thank you so much for sharing that and being yeah. vulnerable for that. Because I, I mean, and this might be a, you don't have to answer this, but did, no. you, did you have, like, have you struggled with depression before? Yes. Yes, I I had. Yeah. So I actually, I had dealt with some depression like in high school um, and been on medication for it. So I wasn't a stranger to it. And my family is all very receptive to mental health. Um, So it wasn't, it wasn't a taboo subject. But that is, I, so I I have kind of like a similar story that was, there are, a handful of times in my life, probably as young as 11, I remember having, like, where I had to go to counseling. It, it's just this, like, deep, deep sadness that it's hard to really ex- explain because I, like, present as a joyful person. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and that joy is real, but then I can also go to this very, like, 
deep, dark place. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that about myself. I didn't really know how to name that. I don't think it ever was named for me as a kid. Like I did go to counseling. My parents did take me to counseling because they could see like I would just be so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember after having a baby, like I did, I never, and I was so young. I was 21 when I had my first baby. So no one was like going through it around me. And I remember that just like deep sadness feeling. Mm-hmm. And then you, you've just had a baby and you're like responsible for this human. And my, my like brand, I guess, of anxiety, like, then I'm anxious for him, too, and I'm in this Mm -hmm. deep sadness for him of, like, not wanting anything to happen to him, and it is such a, like, it's just such a lonely place to be, so I just applaud you for even sharing that, because even, I mean, I'm older than you guys, but... It, it was just, it's just now becoming something people even talk about and mm-hmm. and it really is. And that you don't have to have carry any like shame or any weight. It, it carries no weight of like what kind of mom you are. Yes. Uh, so I think like naming it and giving voice to it is bringing such freedom and light to it. So yeah. I just thank you for doing that. Yeah. And, Thanks. you know, I think so many women can relate and it is it's just such like there there aren't even words to really explain that mm-hmm. that feeling and it does and and you like come through at least in my experience like you come out of it but you just when you're in it it feels like there's no oh absolutely yeah yeah 100% and i think one important thing to note with that was even at times where I was like trying to seek help, not from my family, my family and my husband were 100% my biggest supporters. But outside of that, um, I kind of felt like I was met with almost some resistance of like, oh, no, it's probably just baby blues. I'm sure you're fine. And that was a really hard thing that I knew how deep it was and how I was feeling. And even though I was a new mom, I was like, something is not right. This is not okay. I should not be having thoughts of wanting to end my life. That is never okay. And something's wrong. Um, And so I was really lucky to have such supportive family around me that just were my advocates and would make sure that I made doctor's appointments and followed up on them. Um, But I think you kind of have to use your own discernment as far as if you know something is wrong, not letting other people tell you what it is or what it isn't. Because for me, if I would have listened to that, things could have gotten really bad. Um, and Mm -hmm. luckily I was able to tackle it as early as two weeks postpartum. Like that's kind of insane to me looking back of how somebody could even know that they have that. Obviously Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I had these, these suicidal ideations, which would definitely warrant help. Um, but if I would have listened to people telling me like, Oh no, it's just baby blues, then it could have been really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I don't think we give our bodies enough credit for the crazy amount of things that happen to it in a nine month period. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, you talk about it before you before somebody has their first baby. You kind of talk about what it's like, but really. There's nothing to prepare you for for what it's going to feel like. And even I remember um, 
I remember when Bennett had meningitis and being in the hospital and I'm uh, very postpartum and then obviously going through a situation like that. But I remember that... I don't know how to describe this. I remember being like, maybe he's safer without me. Mm. Like, and I don't know how to communicate that. But I think moms, like those are deep, deep thoughts that need to be addressed, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're all, I remember them handing us one of our kids. It was probably Caden, our first one. And Tyler looking at me at being like, we have to take care (laughs) of this human being. And so then... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you take that on top of like your body regulating itself and some of our bodies not regulating yeah. the way it should. And like we've made it into this thing like, oh, no, 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 no. you won't need medication mm-hmm. like that. That can't be it. Instead of like, yeah, maybe your body's not regulating right. Like, let's get this working, yeah. you know. And so hopefully I'm ho- I'm not in the postpartum area mm-hmm. anymore. Like a ton of my friends aren't postpartum, but I hope that that conversation is changing yeah. and is very much like you, there is nothing wrong with the fact that you need help regulating the craziness that just happened over the last 10 months. Absolutely. And I think that like social media can be a huge <laughs> positive, but it can also on the flip side be a negative with that in terms of like, Christina, I remember like you were a lot younger when you started having your boys. And I feel like you might not have had the same support since you were a young mom that didn't have as many friends around you at that time going through the same thing. Now I feel like social media has come in and taken over with everybody has an opinion on everything. And so Mm -hmm. that means like there's support for people who need the support, but there's also so much judgment of like, you should do it this way or that way, or like, let's all argue about the best way to feed our baby or birth our babies. Mm -hmm. And it, it just mm-hmm. is a lot. One of the best. <laughs> it's so much. Yeah. I yes, my uh, one of the best pieces of advice Jenny gave me, um, and mine were really little at the time, and I I want to say one of them wasn't crawling, uh, like mm-hmm. quote unquote on time. And I remember Jenny looking at me and being like, "Just so you know, like." When your boys are in elementary school, we don't go to the classroom parties and be like, okay, well, when did your kid cry? And when did they start reading? (laughs) And when were they not wetting the bed at night? Like, it's just like, it's it's this weird, um, and I mean, the the mommy competitions like change as they get older. Um, But I, I remember in that moment being like, yeah, like you're so stuck in what's happening right now and like everyone around you having an opinion, yeah. but that's not going to matter mm-hmm. 10 years yes. from now. Like how, it, you know. So true. Like that meme that's like, I only fed them, you know, I I only did breast milk and only did all natural diapers or whatever, but they're still eating their yeah. burgers. Like, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, why yes. are we putting so much pressure yes. on ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, the real kicker is like, at least I don't even remember right? what I did for those things. So <laughs> yeah. there is no competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Megan, I know Megan has a – is your blog still up about it? I don't think so. I'll look. Okay. Megan had a really, really powerful blog. So if you are um, – you know, if you are postpartum right now and having any um, – 
if you need support in that, definitely reach out to us yeah. and we can get you in touch with Megan. I know she has a heart to help people in this. Yeah. And um, we, our whole theme is not wanting you to feel alone. And so, um, you know, we never know what anybody's going through. Yeah. So um, please, please reach out, reach out and get help, whether that be from resources like us or your doctor, whoever mm-hmm. you need to talk to about it, your husband. Um, so I heard you say you turn to creativity when your dad mm-hmm. died. Like that was a huge piece of healing. So how has, cre- how has creativity helped you heal in all sorts of things like your postpartum? Yeah, I think that it's just kind of been a constant of something that just allows me to kind of tune everything out. Um, I love, especially when you can like do something working with your hands, if it's like even just hand stitching something, um, it's just very grounding and therapeutic to me. And that's been the best way that I can describe it is there have been some really isolating seasons of life, whether that was grief or postpartum depression. Um, and just having something positive that you can look forward to, it can be really important. And it might even sound silly to some people of like, especially in terms of postpartum, like, what does that mean? Have something to look forward to, but it's like something for you, not just something that makes you Mm -hmm. a mom or taking care of a baby. It's something that's really fulfilling your soul and something that you feel like you're gaining. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to end. (laughs) That's like, don't you think that's like the, the magic of the creative zone? Like you start with this blank thing or like this old discarded thing and then you like breathe new life into it or become something new and there's so much of the creation process that really like it is that like life death thing that I think like you get in that zone and you do you feel just like excited to see what you have created Mm -hmm. like you have made something new and it Mm -hmm. does do something in your body and soul when by creating yeah So, of course, it makes sense that it would bring healing, too. Anytime I meet a boy mom who has older kids than my stages, I ask them for, like, one piece of boy mom advice. Like, what would you tell me? And I will never forget this one lady. This was, oh, Kaden was probably one Mm -hmm. years old. And she said, find something Mm -hmm. for you. And she said, your kids are going to leave your Mm -hmm. house. And her kids were right there, like right at the age where they were going to college. And she goes, if your whole entire identity is in them, you will lose yourself. And that has stuck with me. And that was before I started Beautiful Chaos. That was like before I created anything. And I think about that a lot as they're getting Mm -hmm. older of like, even in toddlerhood, they don't need you as much at age three that they did at Mm -hmm. six months old, you know? And so that has stuck with me a lot. So I feel like it's exactly what you're saying is like, give something that brings you Mm -hmm. life and makes you who you are outside of being a mom. For sure. Definitely. Well, Megan, we have loved having you on and we thank you so much for your honesty and vulnerability and openness. And we just love watching you create and just thrive over there. We love watching Dylan's photography. I'm definitely going to be posting a link to that. He's really good at what he does. I love that you're both creative and have that creative. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was fun and I've missed you. I know I miss you too. I love you guys. Bye. Love you too.
Ah, uh, that was so fun having her on, Jenny. I like legitimately have not seen her since she was in my wedding. Okay, and I was gonna say, but I didn't want to like freak her out. But I that I remember her at your wedding. She was so nice to me, and like, cause I am older than all of you and your friends, so I felt so out of my element. And actually, I was postpartum. Like, I had a two week old. So yes, Megan, you were. I remember, like, really bonding with Megan. So it was really special to have her on. That's awesome. I just loved, I I mean, I've had to watch her journey from afar because like I said, we don't, we live states away now, but her, she is actually one of the first people that brought awareness to me about mental health and like caring for your mind and um, your spirit in that way. And so of course that was my favorite part of the interview was just her being at a place where she could say like, advocate for herself and say this is not right Mm -hmm. and I need help I know I love it I love when anybody um is open and honest about that about their real life situations because I do I feel like every time we speak it out loud we're breaking it's like chains (laughs) and like hold on Mm -hmm. us and on society is we're like bringing light to the darkness and Mm -hmm. just like our I mean our podcast we're like don't do small business life alone don't Mm -hmm. do any life alone like it's better to share with each other because more than likely someone else is like me too and Mm -hmm. don't have to go through that alone so I think yeah I love I I love reading Megan's stuff she is a really talented artist Um, I forgot to tell her this too but I'm pretty sure my actually I 100% know that my mom bought one of her first art pieces that she painted um, during that time. It was the year her dad died and gave it to me as a baby shower gift. So it was hanging in Caden's nursery. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Super special. Um, well, we're going to, we posted her Instagram in the intro. Make sure to go check Megan out. And thanks again for being here. You know, we do not ever want you to do small business life alone. Join in the conversation by following us on Instagram at at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together.